guys are growing. The last time I had the opportunity to be here, there was about half that many people here. But you know what? Uh, I, I do have to correct my son a little bit. You know, that's a father's job, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I have to correct my son. And one thing, um, I'm not a guest here. Amen. At least I don't feel like I'm a guest here. This is my, this is my second home. Amen. You guys are so loving, and, and this is going to be a great day. Amen. Wow. So many things to say in so little time. You know, before I can, you can fully appreciate my testimony, I need to share with you a little bit about my, my, my past, mm-hmm. my background. Stay. I'll stay up front here. The devil doesn't like me back there. I grew up in a northwest Kansas little wheat farming community of 2,500 people. And my dad and my mom were funeral directors. And so we were a poor family, didn't have a lot of money. And us kids had to work in the funeral home after school. And I had to help in the funeral services a lot. I even learned to drive the ambulance for my dad. And I've seen a lot of stuff. (laughs) You know, um, one of the things that my, my parents taught me, they said, now, when you're working that funeral today, big boys don't cry. You know, this is a sad time, but that's for the family to be sad, and it's not going to help them if you're up there bawling too, you know. (laughs) So I was taught as a child not to cry. Many years later, um, 1986, I found myself in a... uh, what they call a walk to Emmaus. I don't know if any of you have heard of the walk to Emmaus. Okay, briefly, it's just a, it's a, a four-day uh, event for, for men and women. They go separately, but, but they, they have speakers that come in and speak to you about their experiences. They share their testimony with you, and they're sharing the love of God, and all of a sudden, they just started pouring this love of God on you. But uh, before that happened, I got a phone call one night, from a friend of mine who lived in Tulsa, and he said, "Lee, what are you do, what are you doing uh, on such and such date?" And I, I said, oh, "Nothing. Why?" He said, "I want you to go to this men's retreat." And he said, "I can't tell you too much about it, but he said I, I guarantee you'll be blessed." And, and I mean, I went to church every Sunday and all that kind of stuff, but I just thought, uh, I don't want to do this, you know. But I couldn't hardly say no because I told him I didn't have anything going on, you know. So, <laughs> so I feel like I got tricked into going. But anyway, I was kicking and screaming inside all the way down. And from the moment I walked in that church, I knew something was weird happening to me. Because, and even weeks before that, I was singing in the choir. And whenever we'd start to sing a song, it wasn't an emotional type of song, but I would just start uncontrollably weeping. That's not me because I was taught you don't cry. Men don't, men don't cry. That's for women and girls and boys, you know, little, little kids. And, you know, the guys would put their arm around, hey, what's going on? You know, my dad had been uh, diagnosed with 
terminal cancer. And I, he says, I'm sorry about your dad. I said, this, I don't think this is about my dad. I don't, he said, what's going on? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and I'd be, in, I'd be in church, and all of a sudden, I just, for, for no reason, I'd just start to bawl. Like a girl, sorry. But I mean, I'm sorry, you know what I'm talking about. I started to cry. So, as this weekend went on, they just kept, people were waiting on you. They made your bed, they cooked your meals, they just did everything. They were just showering love on you. And every time I'd turn around, I'd just start to weep. And, and the guys, they started laughing at me, you know. There was guys walking around with a box of tissue and they'd, they'd toss it across the room at me because they knew I was going to need it. I probably went through three boxes of tissues before I got to Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night they had a very special thing. I can't tell you about it because you might want to go to one of these and I don't want to spoil a surprise. But a whole community of people showed up in the sanctuary carrying candles. And we were up in the choir loft, just the guys, you know. And, and it was just, I was just, I was just, I thought I was going to dehydrate. I was, I've never cried so much in my life. Anyway, at the end of that service, and they had all left, the pastor came up and he said, okay, guys, we've got something very special you're going to experience this evening. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to spread out in the sanctuary, be by yourself. And I want you to be very quiet and I want you to be very attentive. Because he said, God is going to speak to you. Well, this little Methodist boy uh, who never heard about that kind of stuff growing up, never experienced that kind of stuff growing up, I said, yeah, sure enough. <laughs> so I was obedient, I went back, and I got in the very back pew, and there was a, a panel wall there, Actually, you could lean, lean your head up against that wall. I'm sitting there. This is significant. I was sitting there looking at all of these guys. They're all crying. All these guys are weeping. I said, what in the world is wrong with these guys? And then all of a sudden, I heard this voice. It said, Lee, say yes to me. <laughs> Sorry. I've never been able to get through this <laughs> without... Break it down a little bit. I'll get through it. And I thought, I said, what? I turned around. My face hit the wall. There's nothing back there. Nobody back there. I said, that didn't happen. Lee, say yes to me. Come on now, who's doing this? Lee, say yes to me. And this was starting to drive me nuts, okay? Finally, finally, I said, now, wait a minute. He said God was going to talk to me. No, that's not God. God didn't talk to me. Lee, <laughs> say yes to me. And finally, I said, okay, I see what you're doing. You're trying to call me into the ministry. You want me to be a pastor and move to Godibo, Oklahoma with my family, give up my, my fancy job at Southwestern Bell, making thousands of dollars, to go live in a pulper's house and preach the gospel? Uh-uh. <laughs> Lee, say yes to me. 
And I said, oh, and furthermore, I ain't going to Africa. <laughs> You're not sending me to Africa. I'm not going, so forget about it, Lee. He wasn't arguing with me. He just, he just continued with this. And finally, I thought, just in desperation, I said, hey, man, how you doing? I didn't get to see you this morning earlier. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. Yes, sir. That's a special man right there. Uh, anyway, goes. Okay, I got to get. I got to get this. I got to get this shut up. So, I I got up out of my chair and I walked up to the front and there was a pastor sitting up there. And he said, "What's going on, Lee?" And I told him. He had this knowing look on his face. I could have slapped him. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, goes, hey, hey. <laughs> he said, "Tell me what's going on." And I told him. And again, he goes, "I know. Yeah, okay." He said, well, uh, what's he saying? I told him. He said, well, what's your answer? I said, what do you mean what's his answer? I don't know what the question is. He said, well, he's, he's wanting you to say yes. And I said, look, I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not going to be a missionary. He said, Lee, God needs people at Southwestern Bell. God needs people digging ditches. God needs people. He needs plumbers. He needs carpenters. He needs teachers. He's not calling everybody to preach the gospel. He's not calling everybody to go to Africa. He's calling you into a relationship. I later found out he was calling me to marry him. He was asking for the I do or I will, okay? And, And he said, and I said, oh. He said, so what's the problem here? He said, do you trust him? And I said, well, how could I not trust the creator of the universe? I mean, I knew that much. But you know, I said, how could I not trust him? He created the universe. And the guy said, so what's your answer? So I said, well, I guess it's yes. He said, well, don't tell me, tell him. (laughs) So we went down to the altar, and I prayed. And Chris, I (laughs) I prayed that same prayer. I said, God, I don't know what you have in store for me, but I'll go anywhere you tell me. I'll live anywhere you want me to live. It's all right. I'll do whatever you do because I trust you. My life is yours. And I'll, some of you, well, I know you guys will believe this. Some people wouldn't believe it, don't believe this when I tell them my story, but at that very moment that I said yes and said that prayer, the sanctuary lit up with a flash of light and there was a loud clap of thunder and began to rain. And it was like washing me clean. I had been living in sin. I had been living with a woman, not married to her. I, I just, I mean, I wasn't a bad person, you know. Uh, I went to church every Sunday. I was on the board. I sang in the choir. My mom and dad sang in the choir. But we never, we never studied the Bible together. We never, we, that, I think somebody said prayer once in a while at, at the dinner table. That's it. But I, I knew my, my, I knew my parents loved God and, and I thought I was saved. I thought I was a Christian going to, but I was going straight to hell. Because I did not have a relationship with him. With the bridegroom. And that weeping 
that crying was the Holy Spirit. Ruach HaKodesh in the Hebrew. The Holy Spirit was wooing me. He was wooing me into a relationship. You know what I'm talking about, sir. Many of you, maybe even now, are experiencing this wooing. Uh, That was 1986. I was sitting here during praise and worship, and he come all over me. I didn't think I was going to be able to stand up here and talk to you. I saw him crying like a baby, and then Chris started crying. That's the Holy Spirit moving on, you know. And so, uh, if there's people, not only who am I talking to you, I'm talking to the world out there on that camera. If you, wherever you are, if you feel this, I can't explain it. It's, it's a feeling, it's just like something warm comes over you and you just start flooding, the tears start to come, you can't explain it. It's God breaking your heart. He's breaking down your defenses. He wants you, but just like he said to Mary, he said, Mary, this is what we want to do. We want you to have our baby. Okay, uh, God didn't rape her, Mary. Mary said, be it done unto me as you have said. Okay, if, if she'd have said no, he'd have gone somewhere else. If I'd have said no, he'd have gone somewhere else. He'd have probably come back, but he, he won't come back and keep coming back and coming back. Girls, well, I'm not, I can't talk to you. You've already done your thing. But you other ladies, boy, you know, you turn that guy down, that good guy down, so many times he's not going to come back. Don't let that pass you up today. Let today be your day. I, I, uh, I don't have enough time today because we'd be here for a long time. If I, but I would love to have had that opportunity to share with you the, the rest of the journey. That was just the beginning of a wonderful journey. It took a guy... When I went back to work at Southwestern Bell the next day, I mean Monday, I lost all my friends. Nobody knew me anymore. They said, I never said a word. I walked in, I was having coffee, and they looked at me and said, what in the heck happened to you? I mean, there was, I I, I walked in in the door one day, coming back from lunch, and the security guard stopped me, and she said, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? I said, no, I said, she said, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, well, yeah, how'd you know that? She said, oh, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, something happens. Something happens. Maybe, maybe you, you don't see it on the inside, but something happens. And, and I, you know, you start affecting people. I gotta, I've got to tell you another thing. Prior to this event, a very sad time in my life. Uh, Chris's mama and I separated, and she was gone, and most of the furniture. And it was one Sunday. Uh, all we had was I had a, a love seat and a TV, and the, both the kids were laying on the floor watching the cartoons or something. I don't know. Sunday Sunday morning, I was laying on the couch just hanging out with my kids. And I was, just, I was in such an emotional wreck, despairing, 
the, the, the situation. And I, I heard someone say to me inside, and it was, I thought it was me talking, but I, later I found out it probably wasn't me. He said, why don't you just end all of this? Go in the bedroom, you got a gun in the closet, put it in your mouth and blow, and shut all of this up and stop this immediately. And immediately, my body, I left my body. I know that's hard to believe. But the next thing I do, I'm looking down at my body laying there on that couch. And I said, whoa, I better get my stuff together. And immediately I went back into my body. And as soon as I did, the phone rang. I picked up the phone. Hello? Is this Mr. Cody? Yes, it is. This is the pastor at the United Methodist Church in Hare, Oklahoma. Uh, hello. <laughs> he said, I was just sitting here after church and something told me to call you. <laughs> he said, are you okay? And I said, well, no, I'm not. <laughs> and invited me to church. And that was the beginning of back. God saved my life. Because no telling what I would, the devil would have talked me into doing. Boy, be careful who you listen to. <laughs> But God's, God's had a plan for me. And, and, and he set me on a road. I become a, a Bible teacher. Uh, and I just, I could, I could spend days telling you some of the miracles and stuff that I've seen. Um, I, I mean, I've ministered to you people here before. And I've had, I understand there was a person healed from cancer uh, that night that was, we were here teaching. But... This is all God working through me. But this is a very special opportunity for me to share uh, what God has done to my life. And that set in motion, that. And my other son. And I mean, their miracles probably was bigger, bigger than me. I mean, his, his brother was, ended up in jail and, and stuff. And finally, God just grabbed a hold of him, and he ought to see him now. He's, all of my, I have four boys. Two are pegs, two are mine. They're all serving the Lord. Raising great families. Having, they have great jobs. You know, this, and then, and then my, with my dad being diagnosed with prostate cancer, and, you know, he didn't have long to live. And God spoke to me and said, you need to go home. And you need to pray for your dad. Your dad's not saved. I said, what? He was a deacon in my church. Hello. Yeah. Well, now I'm growing up. I mean, what are you talking about? He said, he's not saved. I went home and he said, he said I'll tell you when. Well, we were, Peg and I were in the bathroom I was shaving, Peg was doing her hair, doing something, and I was, look, I was in the mirror and I was shaving, and God spoke to me and said, do it now. <laughs> so, and then I started to cry. So I went in, my dad was sitting on the edge of the bed getting dressed, he had just gotten dressed, he didn't have long to live, and I sat down next to him and I shared the gospel with him, and I asked him, I said, Dad, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd be? He said, well, I, I think I do. I said, well, how would you like to know for sure? 
And I led my dad to the Lord. Right there. You see, you don't know what God has in store for you and the people that you will touch. My dad might have died and gone to hell if, if I hadn't have said yes to that call. My son right there might be in the crack house someplace. I don't know, selling drugs. I don't, we don't know. Don't let this situation go. If you don't know the bridegroom, if you haven't said yes to his call, don't, don't leave here today. We're going to have a call here in a little bit. We're going to have a call for you, and it's for, for salvation. Today. What a great day. When he rose from the dead, I rose from the dead with him. I was, you know, and I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm not afraid of anything because I've got the promises of God in my heart and in my word. And I stand by those. We were talking about that at the breakfast table this morning. We're not afraid. We trust God. And uh, God is so good. He's so good to all of us. And he wants, he loves you. And that was something that I had a hard time getting to understand. Because until I was 18 years of old, age, 18 years of age, and on the day I was leaving to go into the military, go to Vietnam, my dad told me he loved me for the first time I'd ever think I'd ever heard him say it to me. And... uh Wow, that was special. But to know that your father loves you that much, that he would send the only son he had to become sin and go through the most horrible, despicable death. You can imagine the, 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 the way he was treated. And he was stripped naked. I don't care what you see on TV, but he was naked hanging there on that tree. <clears throat> the shame that he went through. And he did it for you. Did it for you. Did it for all of you. But he didn't stay there. Three days later, <clears throat> three days later, he walked out of that place. You know, and he's, uh, he's just sitting up there. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father and just waiting. And I'm, I'm, I don't think it's going to be long. He's going to speak the word and you need to be one of the bride. When the bridegroom is, uh, steps up, when God finally stands, he says, stand up, son, go get your bride. He's going to step up to the edge of heaven. He's going to call Gabriel and get his shofar out. That's right. He said, bring them home. Bring them home. You're going to hear You're going to hear it. Yeah. You're going to hear the shofar. How many of you have ever heard a shofar? Oh, my gosh. I knew I should have brought my shofar, Chris. <laughs> you hear the shofar. The ram's horn will blow, and you're going to hear it. And when you do, Bam. you're gone. To be ever, and you're going to reign with him forever. Okay? Now, if that's not good news, I don't know where you're going to go to get some. <laughs> hey, it's been great. Thanks for watching me ball and be silly. And 
I really, I truly love all of you guys. There's, there's some of you that, that I've really become close to, you know, that I know really well, and I know how much you care for me. This girl right here, whoo, she's special. All of you are special to me. I love you all. Thank you for supporting my son. And, and thank you for loving Jesus. Okay. God bless you all. I'll talk to you later. Hallelujah. Love you, Daddy. Praise God. You know, in many families, what you see is generational despair, darkness, brokenness, divorce, disease, bondage. You know, I don't believe in generational curses. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. But the devil does work in patterns. And the the pattern that the devil worked in my grandpa, he worked to some degree effectively for a period of time in my dad and, and then in us too. But see, my dad stood up. When he said yes, my dad stood up and said no more. One of the things he didn't tell you was at my grandpa's funeral, tell me if I'm wrong, Dad, that you stood over your dad's casket and you took authority over that curse of cancer and that it would never touch another Cody. Is that right? That's correct. And we'd never have that. None of us. And, you know, now I've come to know from the word that I'm redeemed. We're redeemed from every sickness and every disease. But I I have faith in what my dad decreed. I I have faith in my dad's words. But see, what God intends for all of us is that we are used of God in our own families, amen, to create an Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob-type generation. And if, if, if that's not been the testimony in your family, maybe you could look up the family line and see brokenness, heartache, despair, sin, debauchery, rebellion, and cursing. Listen, if you respond to the wooing of the Holy Spirit, and the call of Jesus on your life, you can be that one. Come on, you can be that one. And that heaven will look back and say, it stopped right there. You know, it took some living for God for some years before the seed of the gospel began to take root in his son's heart. He only had us once every other weekend. So he'd begun to take us to church, and I was only there because he took me, and, and I was only paying attention to the girls, not the sermon. Right? But I was hearing. I was hearing. And there began to be that seed of the Word of God planted in my heart. I'm sorry it took me all the way down to suicide's door before I decided to say yes to the call. I'm so glad you said that, Dad. I never heard you say that. I said, you said the same prayer that I said. See, I always look back and how come me to say those words? Drunken suicidal at a frat party. See, now there's a pattern. See, look at these kids here that, you know, they don't know. You know, a dad speaks about divorce. They don't know what they're talking about. Alcoholism, my dad does. These kids don't. Cursing and husbands and wives screaming at each other, punching holes in the wall. They don't know what that is. You just, one generation later. One generation later. What God's done. Amen. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. One generation, you can undo the whole thing. See, they could walk away from God, that generation. But it's, see, it's our, that's so good, Dad. But the Bible says a good man leaves a legacy. 
A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Yeah, Jacob, it was up to Jacob. And he had to wrestle with God. He had his own problems. But thankfully, he decided to serve and love the God of Abraham. And you give your kids and grandkids a great advantage when you live for God in front of them. When you live for God in front of My dad lived for God in front of me. Amen. Praise God. I'd like you to bow your heads today. Praise God. Holy Spirit, work with these words that have been spoken today. For there may be some, maybe one, maybe more.